Welcome back to It Was Murder, the number one heart-to-heart adjacent podcast in the world. <laughs> I'm your diehard romantic, Eric Blood. And I'm your devoted lover, Ellen Ito. And I'm the virgin voyager, Joe Garber. Yuck. And, <laughs> Yuck. and tonight, <laughs> we followed James Garner <laughs> from Rockford Files Yay. to, to 1993's Fire in the Sky. Fire in the Sky. Ooh, too scary. Very scary. Very scary. Ellen and I were very worried about watching this. Yes, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I I didn't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, I did, but I didn't. You chose I it. I did, but I didn't. <laughs> I know. I felt bad for you when we were watching it last night because you know I wouldn't. I don't like watching things alone, especially. And does mm-hmm. that bother you more watching horror movies alone, or did you watch it alone? I watch everything alone, Joe. <laughs> just so you know, <clears throat> did it? Does it bother me? I think it just depends. Mm-hmm. It usually doesn't because if I'm alone, then I'm watching whatever it is I have chosen to watch, unless it's for this podcast, in which case then I'm usually watching something that Joe has then you're, made Then you're watching yeah. Natural Born Killers. This, technically, <laughs> yeah, this I'm was my link. But Next Gen, then I'm watching. Too. I know. You both, picked, you both picked this movie, so I don't want to hear no... But we can't no let history off. rewrite itself into this being Ellen's <laughs> link. Revisionist history yeah. allows us to be my more cartoonishly chosen. angry at each other. <laughs> yeah. My link was chosen by the phone. This is true. The great mm-hmm. wheel on the phone. The great wheel said so. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, do you guys want to know what happened in this movie in a minute? No. Really. Yeah. Ooh, it's too scary. Yes. Are you up first? I'm up first. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh thank God I'm last. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. 1993's Fire in the Sky. Uh, a group of extremely attractive men are hired to deforest <laughs> the lush greenery of Arizona. Uh, while after a job, <laughs> after a job, they see a big red light in the sky and they follow it in their truck and they think because they think it's uh, a wreck or a plane crash. Um, all valid reasons to go and check it out. DB Sweeney, being a dumbass, jumps out of the car and like goes, "Oh my god, it's a spaceship!" And then he gets zapped, and they all take the fuck off and they make up a story <laughs> and they go to a bar and they call James Garner and James Garner comes and says, "I don't believe y'all boys." And then they tell him, "Oh, an alien." Spaceship, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they don't believe him. They lie detector test them all. They're about to presumably charge them with murder or some sort of foul play when D.B. Sweeney shows up again naked at a gas station. <laughs> and then Scary. he goes to therapy and we see everything that happened to him on the spaceship. And then the movie just ends. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hmm. Okay. That might have been my best minute max in like But I mean that like was months. concise. You, get, you got everything. <laughs> I got concise. through the entire movie. Yeah. Concise. Alrighty. Fire in the sky. This is the true story of Travis Walton's abduction by aliens for five days, six hours in 1975. He is on a lumberjack team and they have a government contract to go cut a bunch of trees down. And on their way back from that contract, they see a fire in the sky, a bunch of lights and they go out and there's a spaceship and then they're all freaking out and Travis gets out of the car and just looks up like a fucking dolt. And they're like, get back in the fucking car. And then they drive away after he gets shocked. And then that's a whole flashback because they're telling the police this. Then the town tries to like starts blaming them. And there's a real bad egg on their team called Dallas. And he's just like a real shithead. <laughs> and everyone thinks that he murdered uh, Travis. But he they get a call, a phone call. Uh, his wife d- divorces him. Mike is like basically the main character, Travis's best friend. 
and he gets a phone call and his wife's like hang up but it's Tra- it's travis on the other line and he's naked and afraid at a gas station basically exactly what eric said and they find him and then he goes a flashback he gets some syrup dripped in his mouth and then he has a flashback of his alien experiences is fucking terrifying and he's naked and afraid again the end mm. well done oh that's very nice thank you i got tingled up in the middle of <clears throat> Okay, gosh, what is there left to say? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it's 1975, and there's some... Oh, we lost you. We lost uh, you. Sorry. Hold on. All right. You get a second chance. <laughs> sorry, Ellen. That's okay. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Fire in the sky again. <laughs> <clears throat> Minute max two. Um, so it's 1975 in like tiny town Arizona, and like everybody's kind of poor and weird, and one of them is Jesusy, and it's this group of like freelance lumberjacks lumberjacking, and then one of them is really like all about toxic positivity and he wants to run a motorcycle store with his best friend and he also wants to marry that guy's sister which is always just so weird and does that really happen i guess it does but so they go out and they lumberjack all day and then two of them almost get in a fight and they wave chainsaws around it's very masculine and then um a ufo or something comes and toxic positivity guy is all like oh my god it's beautiful or whatever shades of raiders <laughs> and then he disappears then he comes back and in the meantime the whole town in something that seems like an allegory for communism or something is like you did it and they're like no it really happened mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yeah nice all said did you finish your full first minute max no <laughs> oh okay, okay good <laughs> We lost you, and I. <laughs> we were like, she's gonna I just thought she's, she's going to be mad. Yeah. She's just rolling through it, and yeah, <laughs> and she's just busy talking about one of those dudes' hair for mm-hmm. forty-five oh, yeah. seconds. Um, which one? Mm-hmm. His sticky hair on the spaceship. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, Where to begin? I the have first shot? to. I have to say before we start that i was really afraid to watch this Mm -hmm. and in my house like i mean i don't live in a normal place so it's not like there's an overhead light or something right so pretty much it's just like she lives in a yurt for the listeners just just darkness you know like 1250 square feet of darkness and then me watching this thing and I just said, just psych myself out because I know we talked for like 45 minutes about how scared I was to watch and how scary I thought this movie was. And so I watched it. And why do I think this movie is scary? What? Really? I still thought it, it was kind of scary. It did not scare me. It did not scare me at all. Really? When, when did you first watch it? I watched it in the theater. Okay. I watched it like twice in the theater and okay. it scared me. Uh-huh. But this time, for some reason, what really took over for me was like, it was, I was like, oh, this should be a play. Oh, yeah. Like yes. this time around, I was like, it's so dialogue driven mm-hmm. and it focuses so much on the small town dynamic. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, they should have more of the James Garner character because it should be kind of like, like if it was a play, there would be more of the James Garner. Like Agnes of God with. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And so I'm not saying that I didn't love it. 
because I kind of do love it, but it just didn't, I wasn't as focused on the part that I think is scary, which is not icky, sticky, mysterious, gelatinous alien pods and then squinty, raisiny alien dudes. That doesn't scare me. <laughs> what, what scares me is that you're driving in the woods with your freelance uh, lumberjack carny friends, <laughs> one of whom is Jesusy, and you something fucked up happens and it's you can't explain it yeah and then you're fucked up on the woods forever and then you're so that's what scares me yeah the uh the one of the first things that i thought when when so you saying that it it, this should be a play um Mm -hmm. i never want anything to be a play because i'm not a fan of of theater (laughs) but the fact that it was so heavily dialogue driven yeah and Mm -hmm. when james garner showed up the first thing that I thought was, did Quentin Tarantino ever get to work with James Garner? And I don't believe so. And then I just had it in my fucking head that Quentin Tarantino should have directed Fire in the Sky uh, mm. in 1993. Oh, that would have been really strange. Yeah, that would have been cool. It, yeah. Just oh, the, Rest of Our Dogs as Freelance Lumberjack. Actually, you know, honestly, it it fits to me. Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a almost parallel universe of of Reservoir right. Dogs and, <laughs> and Fire in the Sky. <clears throat> The soundtrack's the same. Mr. Pink, Mr. White. What you're both saying, like, that's the weirdest part about this movie to me, too, is that the entire, all the important, basically every important part of this movie is told via a flashback and, like, someone telling a story of what happened, basically. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it starts with a flashback of them telling the story of the ship, and then his whole alien experience is a flashback, too. It's really strangely Mm -hmm. structured and interesting i i don't know i don't know if i like that part of it i also did do love this movie because the first time i watched it i fell asleep and then woke up during the terrifying section which i do actually find (laughs) really scary but it's like and it's a scene that so that 10 minutes or whatever of the movie where he's on the ship is so fucking cool also Mm -hmm. it's it's all ilm visual effects I I yeah. think it's I want more of that. I in think this it's movie. amazing. I think it's I think it's like it's watching a, a nightmare. The yes, uh, it really captures yeah. the that, like the weight the weightlessness, like reaching yeah. for something that you can never grasp, trying to trying to get to like it all I had that all the and then the 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 torture moment. Oh god, is yeah, truly like the only thing that I forgot. It's so gross. I uh, <laughs> I conflated this with uh Dwayne Barry from X-Files because I was like oh god they're going to do the teeth drilling thing and that makes me crazy oh. but they didn't mm. they go directly into his eye which for uh. whatever reason doesn't bother me as much and I think oh, it's because yeah. I don't wear glasses and I Ooh, I hate that <laughs> that shit but the uh where he's like so he comes out of that weird gelatinous cocoon uh. and then he f- Floats around in zero gravity, which is like a really beautiful that set and everything is That's so gorgeous. The snowflake, the key, uh, key yes. Key but fox. then he goes flying into a different cocoon, and his hand goes straight into a, the abdomen of a dead body, yeah. of a dead human body. Mm-hmm. That is so fucking scary, and that raises the stakes so much. And then, like, I love the part where they're, the aliens are dragging him through the corridors, and he's grasping for shit, and it's just all this detritus of other so human creepy. beings. Yeah, glasses the gla- glasses, books. like, yes. twirling in Ugh. zero gravity. That's it's so scary. It's, uh, it's reminiscent of, there's a scene just like it in Jacob's Ladder uh, mm-hmm. that is wonderful, like, equally terrifying, for the exact same reasons. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and they do it again in Hostel, um, which is a uh, movie that some people don't care for. I've never I, seen it. I personally think it's uh, really amusing. Um, but yeah, it's it's always scary. This the being carted <laughs> through horror. Yeah. To the, when you're when you're basically unable to move, mm-hmm. uh, it's a that's such a terrifying terrifying and scenario. Like really interesting ideas too. Mm-hmm. Mm. For me, the awful part, like the scariest part of that. I mean, because it's just like gross and just slow mo and disturbing. But for me, it's when he falls down into the thing where he thinks all the spacesuits do he realizes all the spacesuits are hanging there Uh and then you're watching him like examine the spacesuit and it's really unclear if somebody's in the one that he's looking at Mm -hmm. and then you see the other one like detach from the side of the thing Mm -hmm. and start coming towards him and i feel like that's one of those moments where i feel like i can i don't even have to move because i'm paralyzed Mm -hmm. but um i just in my head i am screaming like a the sound of a tea kettle. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm so freaked out by that. Oh God. The part yeah. with the I don't think the body's dead in the pod, like because it sits up and like starts like it, it's oh. not dead. That person's just I, like all fucked up. I couldn't tell if it was I had that feeling as well, but then I then the more you look at it, the more it just becomes a fake body. Oh no, yeah. I think it's like a fully dead body that he moves because he like rips his hands out of it. But it was it was so like gross. upright, but which, which it, is the scary yeah, thing. But it's, yeah. it makes me think that it was, this is the most horrifying part, is that it's in a position where it was looking at something happening to him when oh, he died. Oh god, yeah. That's so terrifying. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's nothing but horror. I'm curious, it's so, okay, so this movie isn't good. Uh, it's what? Like structural, I like it. I like what? it a lot. Structurally, um, it's not good. Like the movie ends <laughs> right when it's getting started. Really, like I love the McCarthyist kind of uh, like element mm-hmm. of it, where this group of men are being are suspect of foul play. That's so great. Mm-hmm. And then when we find out that it is actually an abduction, that's so great. Mm-hmm. But then it literally ends there. Mm-hmm. It ends with mm-hmm. a really kind of schmaltzy exchange between db sweeney Mm -hmm. and and robert patrick Mm. that Mm -hmm. just doesn't have any place in it like i i feel like the movie could have there could have been another hour that was rushed through have it yeah i i kind of wanted more from the guy from afar like i loved Mm -hmm. that element oh Um, i mean you don't you think that jarvis it could it could have been so much more eerie right it could have been like yeah, yeah. Because the eerie part been... is really that it, it actually happened and blah blah, right? Totally. And that they, and that they gave them a lie detector test before they made the film. Yeah, and they all passed it, which is just crazy. I love it. I yeah. I I love all of that. I th- I think what I want from it is more James Garner. I want more of an investigative element to it because that would mm-hmm. sustain it more. Th- but I feel like the studio, very mm. likely, the studio was like. No, we got all these attractive guys, like these attractive actors, to be in this movie. Mm. Let's let's just let them hold on. Let let's let them carry the movie. And Robert right. Patrick, who I love, is that T one thousand? He's T one thousand. I love him. I loved him in this movie. Yeah, he's great in it. There, whenever he has to do like a monologue, though, it's a bit of a struggle. Really, it's a I didn't bit think of a struggle so. I thought it was all right for me. I don't know. Um, I think it was pretty good. I like that. Church I think he scene is really good when he just like I liked because 
Yeah, they sort of do. It's kind of like they're riding this line between whether they're going to convict these people, these other guys or not. And there's never really that much danger for them, like sort of, I guess. But like the whole lie detector test, I thought that scene was really well done, too, because it it shows how nervous a group of innocent men would be to do this lie detector test. I thought Mm -hmm. they showed that really well because it was like, yeah, this is a crazy story. Even they probably don't believe themselves, you know, so it's like really that was really interesting. And then he confronts that whole church. Uh, like, I, I thought that was cool just to be like, anyone else got anything to say? No, then fuck you. And like, he leaves <laughs> rather than like draw that out. Because... It was really like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like that. That was when the when the scenes were showing for me I in see, a movie yeah, that yeah. like is shot really well, is pretty well acted with people that I really like to look at. And yeah, well. I, I, My yeah, major issue with that whole thing about the, the, the like schmaltzy ending with the two friends is like Travis gets out of that truck and just like wanders up like a fucking dope and just looks up at the alien spaceship <laughs> and then he comes back down. They get him back and then he goes to the um, Mark. Is it Mike? Mike T1000 goes to T1000. Mike goes to the hospital to visit him and he's not allowed to be there. And then he tells him when we when I came back for you. And Travis is like, when you came back, like, and he's all upset. And it's like, yeah, Yeah. dude, you fucking walked into an alien spaceship. We left because we were terrified and we were screaming at you to come back. And he just didn't listen. And that that was like the last scene of them together until two years later. And I thought that was like that felt really rushed and weird. Yeah. it's uh, uh, So question. Mm-hmm. Would you? How mad would you be, <laughs> or would you be mad at all if <laughs> you were uh, riding around in a truck with your friends, and then you were you were a dumbass that got out of the truck to look at a spaceship, and then got zapped, <laughs> and then they left? I personally would not blame them for leaving. Um, I don't. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that either. That's I don't think any of us are people that would do that. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, if I'm if one of us is in a situation where one of us is zapped by a visible spaceship, yeah, and then and is basically unconscious, God, I I don't I'm know. I'm not going to blame any of you. I'm not blaming either of you for bailing, right? Yeah, <laughs> so Ellen and I driving away in our pickup truck <laughs> with our chainsaws. We don't get the fuck out of here, Ellen. Go. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead. He's, He's dead. dead. <laughs> He's dead. I'd be mad. We got to get back to Boba. I, yeah, I just, uh, that whole scene is Travis's fault, though. I blame him. I totally blame him. So, I, this being based on a true story is insane. But I was really curious about the differences in the, in what they, you know, did for the Hollywood version. And the uh, Travis Walton, Mm -hmm. right? That's his name. uh, He says he did get out of the car like that. But the way he explains it is that he was like so intimidated and he knew it was a threat and he didn't want to show fear by turning and running away. So he was like treating it like it was a bear or something like that, which makes a little bit more sense than the so dumb way that they show it in the movie. Toxic masculinity ruins the party again. Well, just that makes sense to me where it's like you don't want to show fear. You don't want to show you that you're a weak creature. You want to like try to intimidate it, you know, but the way they show it in the movie is just like he just seems like an idiot. <laughs> He's really, yeah, mm. it's it's a dumb, it's yeah. a dumb reason to get out. <laughs> yeah. But I was curious, too, about the, the differences. Like, what did they change for the spaceship 
what is his real story and what did they change and everything is completely different. Basically what he said was he was he woke up on I think a table or he went towards a light. I can't exactly remember, but he like swings a little tool at these alien little aliens and then they run away and then two human a human comes into the room with him, a human man in a in like a jumper comes into the room with him and then guides him out of the room and he's like asking all these questions and the man guides him to a woman who then forces him down on a table and then they start like doing operations or whatever to him and and uh he says that he thinks they were trying to help his injury like it wasn't it's not this like weird anal probing sort of like yeah. <laughs> eyeball drill scene like in the movie it's he thought they were trying to help him you know huh. hindsight he thought they were trying to help him he was obviously terrified but he was like they were more scared of me with my shrieks and like I was screaming so much that the little aliens were afraid but they sent in these things that he was like they could be androids or they could be a different species but they looked like humans and guided him into a room with a bunch of different human looking creatures Ooh, uh, um joe you're from a small town yeah whitefish montana um do you feel like if something like that happened to you that then you'd have to be walking through town with your bag of groceries or whatever and be like, what are you looking at, Brenda? Do you think I did this? You know, or something like that. Because I feel like that must be a real experience that small towny people have yeah. because it is the exact same thing no matter what weird thing everyone thinks you did or right. whatever way that you have like made it so that people in the small town like turn their kid's head into them and like, grab their head and walk briskly away with them or like frowny old ladies are all right. like oh mrs simpson or whatever thinks i'm a murderer or this or that or like oh no they're quite calling us in our terrible poor person marriage like <laughs> you know i mean no, no mortgage marriage do you feel is that real joe it's the the Tell part that's real that whole town everything in the town the part that rang the most true to me was the when they're eating breakfast and then that buck guy comes up to them and mm -hmm. he's like go sit down buck like that level of familiarity with another person in the town mm -hmm. who just like is he, that guy wants to uh, fight. Yeah. They know he's a, he's mm -hmm. like a shithead and just wants to fight. Mm -hmm. So that felt like the most true, that familiarity, you know, the people in the town a little bit, you know, that guy just is being a shithead. Mm -hmm. Doesn't, doesn't care what's going on, but just kind of wants to fight and get in people's faces. So that, mm -hmm. that definitely rang true coming from a small town but i don't know i was so like repressed and trying to get out of that town for so long that i like <laughs> i didn't have that like stars hollow version of small town life so i don't know mm. i think so i think you probably would i mean even if you're not being side-eyed by everyone you would feel like you were you know i mean i feel experience. like I, I feel like that was it was like that in just neighborhoods in seattle like i mean it, <laughs> Capitol Hill has a has a population or had a population of of you know people that were just famous neighborhood wise or whatever yeah. you know for and for doing nothing but living there yeah so when shit would go down it would make the rounds yeah and then also uh, I was looking up sorry like I would got kind of I went down a rabbit hole of like researching a little bit but uh, Snowflake Arizona is a more big Mormon population there's a big Mormon temple mm -hmm. and um, T one thousand found out that he was related to the guy he was playing in the movie oh, by marriage crazy. through like his more the mormon part of his family huh. so he got to meet with him and like ask him 
it was kind of funny because the story was like, yeah, he was like really upset. And I used that in my role. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I looked up uh, Snowflake, Arizona as well to see what the yeah. terrain was like. <laughs> <laughs> Just because yeah. the movie, well, it's it's like a desert. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. It has a lot of desert buildings and trees. Um, yeah. The not land. the not the verdant Oregon <laughs> landscape the that they shot, which just right. like the the movie, I love the way the movie is shot. That opening shot in particular with the credits is oh, so fast. spectacular. Because Ellen said mm-hmm. when so we good. were doing an episode about one of the heart to heart movies, there's shots like that of trees with light going through them. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's is, so scary. Is this where that terror comes from for you? This movie, or is yeah. it just yeah? That's like the start of that fear Mm -hmm. it is yeah that those shots are so great yeah i think like there's yeah there's some parts of this movie that i think are really really successful but it's true the way it just seemed filtered for me this time as if it was like an adapted play Mm -hmm. because it's so dialogue driven and so much of the focus is on how it changes their lives in their own community. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's such an interesting idea with which you can, you know, tease out any sort of thoughts about smallness or familiarity or pack mentality mm-hmm. or false morality or how people will turn on you and to filter it through this lens of this person's experience with you know, unexplained phenomenon is such an interesting way to tell that story because mm-hmm. it does feel like it's focused on so heavily that it seems allegorical, right? Like mm-hmm. it's really bizarre. Um, sometimes I, this, <laughs> sometimes I don't want to watch movies about poor people. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you think they're gross. <laughs> I mean, like if the movie is about being poor, then okay. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a documentary about people who just are socioeconomically different, fine. But when it's kind of just like, mm, what? A, mm. Like when they're having trouble paying feel, their mortgage, the married couple. Then I just feel uncomfortable. And mostly this time, for whatever reason, I'm like, wow, I don't want to be married to that lady. <laughs> yeah. Like she's, she's so mad about how they don't have any money. I Yeah. Uh, this is a... 90s bad, thing. I, bad I, marriages I, makes me drained it, it was a me. struggle for eric and i because that's uh joel's uh sister from gilmore girls and that's, that she's a beloved character <laughs> she is she, how many Lu- times can Luke's you possibly sister. bring up the gilmore girls <laughs> in a podcast episode about fire in the sky well how many gilmore girls cast members were in fire in the sky yeah let's count them know, shall we oh, i don't want to watch oh you're the you're about girls. to find out though then you'll know we're just long conning <laughs> ellen into a gilmore girls podcast just starring yeah, on a gilmore girls we're just, podcast. our links are all just gilmore girls <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, that's, that is interesting. The, the poverty didn't really bother me. I figured that like they took that from the real life story maybe or something. It was like just another tension thing for like it, for it to be a play basically like what you're saying where it's just another like little interpersonal tension and like another layer on that cake of why things are like 
he's like hitting rock bottom and then he stays at a motel and I'm like, well, where's the money for that coming from? Like, that seems kind of crazy. You have a pickup truck, sleep in the back of your pickup truck. <laughs> I, I did like the, the, of course, like, I just think that's, that's, they're portraying who they were portraying. <laughs> uh, but I appreciated that it didn't focus on their socioeconomic status exclusively like because that's a lot of times movies like this will yeah almost to the point of yeah Yeah, almost to the point of making fun of them like like i've seen it right really fetishizing poverty exactly or hollywood poverty yeah and in this in this case i mean they they made them extremely pretty and clean Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. you know fine whatever it's a fucking movie yeah but i yeah it never veered into the the area of like their the filmmakers are are fetishizing poverty, right? So, yeah, it's no. like, pretty basic. The, and even the mm-hmm. argument with the wife, which was, it was really funny. Like they, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Mike's wife, played by mm-hmm. Kathleen Wilhoyt, who uh, is a, an amazing actress that I love. Mm-hmm. Every time I see her in anything, yeah. I love her um, raspy voice. Her raspy voice is so good. Mm-hmm. She's <laughs> she has played so many like kooky weirdos she's mm-hmm. in a movie called witchboard that if you haven't seen please watch oh, um that's fun. not my link spoiler alert not my link hang on is she in roadhouse she is 100 percent in roadhouse mm. yeah yeah mm. and i love her yeah. uh, she's also in gilmore girls and yeah <laughs> most beloved in what uh just a show that ran for like nine years that you don't give a shit about <laughs> This is like the best show that ever aired on television. <laughs> re- a really wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it's about women, okay? It's yeah, great. Women, it passes the Bechtel test. It does sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Not always. Some of the episodes pass. <laughs> what bothered me more than like the the poverty thing is the way <laughs> that so he gets the call that Travis is just like, oh, I'm gonna a payphone somewhere in this town a little bit f- away from you or whatever he mm-hmm. whatever information he has and then they're all in, like the four of them are in a truck it's travis's brother mike the, the sister because that makes it scarier pouring rain and then there's like a is it ethan hawk that uh, the god alec berg Al- yes yeah. who um, i i love that you said ethan hawk he looks exactly like ethan he hawk. sure does and he's also the one that i confused for james lugro Okay, <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah. He's just got one of those faces. But yeah. the oh what, no 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 they wait no wait are you thinking Joe that of the guy that is the UFO nut job no, no. That's, that's or are you thinking of Jarvis. the bi- the the Bible Bible guy, guy with glasses that prayed. lumberjack yeah he yeah. looks like Ethan Hawke yeah but the Bible huh. Jack <laughs> um, <laughs> but they're driving to pick up oh, possibly shit. find this brother and they're just screaming at him like everyone's yelling they're like all stressed out and they're like mm-hmm. no that's we've went to that gas station there's a payphone so you see like you're wrong he's not going to be out here and we're not going to that next gas station and it's like what the fuck like why not and then when he right, who she, cares where else are you gonna go to yeah what do you <laughs> what the fuck else do you have to do <laughs> everybody go to hates that one you there bar. okay they yeah. hate you there. go to the tabernacle uh <laughs> So and then the sister in is the movie like, somebody calls it a crazy Mormon town. Yeah, actually, I just want to like say if I'm ever driving a car, we're all in a car and we're kind of having a freak out and mm-hmm. we're like looking for a lost friend or whatever. If you tell me to pull over, <laughs> like one time is enough. And if I'm in the process of pulling over, you don't need to scream at me to pull over five more times. 
because that's what that sister did and that I drove me so insane like <laughs> i guess it's just part of the like energy right, you're like thing. shut up bitch with yeah. the missing fiance <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kick just boot her out of the truck <laughs> that was so annoying she's like look right there there's something pull over pull over mike pull over pull over pull over it's just like jesus <laughs> give him a fucking second and that then, would have been a great moment to have the UFO come back. Yeah, <laughs> to suck her <laughs> out of the window. Throw her out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they find him shivering and naked. Mm-hmm. And then this is my mm-hmm. biggest like story narrative what the fuck moment where he's just like shivering and so terrified. And Mike's like, mm-hmm. I know who to call Jarvis from afar. <laughs> he calls Jarvis this like paranormal x-files investigator guy Mm -hmm. who knows about ufos to come and like poke at travis and like try to get his like a blood sample or urine sample and like ask him a thousand questions in this claustrophobic little shack bathroom i'm guessing he would have been buyers in the lone gunman (laughs) if we have an an analogy if we must make x-files robert patrick analogies (laughs) i don't know but like that that was like you called fucking Jarvis. That's the first person you called. That's uh, why they, well, they did I not mean, establish that connection well it enough. Really, it really would have made a lot more sense for the people that are accused of murdering this guy to call the sheriff call because James Garner. Hey, look, he's alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we didn't murder him. He's naked. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's the other thing. The eyes. other thing that it's a subtle thing that I found so disturbing. Um, where the bruises on his face were. I know. Like, Ugh. it's really so gross. Pretty mas- masterfully done. His nose, his eyes, and his mouth. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so so creepy. So perfectly. Like, oh god, mm-hmm. what happened to you? Because they're small too. They're mm-hmm. small bruises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really gross. Mm-hmm. And the scene, like when he's in the hospital bed, in the weird old timey ward. With the rain pour the Hollywood rain like just mm-hmm. pouring down the window panes, it's just so creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I the way Kale. the way that they mm-hmm. fold in the his flashbacks to the um mm-hmm. to the oh, ship were yeah. actually really super well done too. That was the, cool. The four fingerprints on the window when when he's like mm-hmm. when staring at the rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the, there were a few a couple of those that just I felt. We're really well done. There's so much well done in this movie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like it was taken away from whoever was doing that. It's uh, just, it's jumbled. It's jumbled. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that D.B. Sweeney is amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate him when he's just the guy with the, the cool donut motorcycle thing. What? And then really? um, whatever. Ugh. And he's all like, oh, this or that. I can't take any cues, even though this scene is going to make you wonder if that my guy is my friend because he yeah. is talking to me like a dick. Yeah. And I'm just trying to be nice, even though it's very early in the morning and that seems very <laughs> tiresome. But he's like Bubbles McGee. And then, he, yeah. of course, that guy's going to be like, what the fuck is that? I'm going to look at it because the whole world is full of wonder for me because I am like Thumper or something. Mm. And then. <laughs> When he's all fucked up from the alien, whatever, it's just like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> I feel like DB Sweeney nails it. He's yeah. Really oh good. yeah. Oh, amazing when he's talking to the detective and, mm-hmm. and he's, he's just like, like uh, uh, yeah, uh, 
who are you? <laughs> like he's so mm-hmm. severe. It's like such a different mm-hmm. personality. But in that scene that you're talking about where he rides his motorcycle through the town and there's that like mm-hmm. Aaron Copeland industrious music playing. <laughs> yes. And he's, he grabs donuts <laughs> from the, the person and then brings them to Mike's house. And then he unveils their future plans together. And it's a crayon drawing that he did of their, uh, it's like, what is it? MT, Mike and Travis's motorcycle shop. And it's like, it's the cutest thing in the world. It's so cute, but it's like, what? But I hate that guy in that moment. And also, I'm like, Uh, why didn't Paul Rudd do this movie? That's, I was going to say to the listener, we, yeah. If you have a crush on Paul Rudd, you need to watch this movie. DB Sweeney is like, in this particular in time this film. only in this yeah really only this in this is the movie only moment oh, yeah really? this is the only moment well yeah, and, and where he is a, paul rudd there's a bit of it in cutting edge um oh yeah 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 you're yeah. right uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, it is I like he's like movies. thick paul rudd and it's very very cute paul it's rudd. puppy dog energy but it's also because Paul Rudd dresses as Travis in Wet Hot America. <laughs> yeah, that's true. true. Same hair and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The so. hair, the hair. They look like twins. This movie had some hair. Yeah. Because it's fake 1975. It's kind of a, I thought it was a decent 1975. Like they didn't yeah, overstyle it. Yeah, way better it. than many fake yeah. 1975s. And that's another thing where you do, if you do like kind of uh, poor poor 1975 it's it's not it doesn't fall into the trappings of like bell bottoms and afros and right like silly the silly uh fashion traps there's the amazing station wagon which i guess technically could be like 1977 but at the end the blue station wagon but um when were automatic car windows invented oh i thought they were around in the 60s But they had a metal mm-hmm. rim. Yeah, they had a metal rim. I just oh, didn't Christine have. <laughs> well, she was haunted. Uh, well, yeah, haunted, haunted. Electric. That's, how the, that's how the idea came about. <laughs> oh my god, we should do that a for haunted real. Car <laughs> that rolled its windows up by itself. Yeah. We I should think make that real haunted this, cars. This movie makes me. I think of this movie in the context of the first film I ever saw about contact with Jody life Foster? from other planets no which is close encounters of the third kind oh a movie that i was really really scared of when i was a kid because Mm. it came out when i was like eight or something and that movie scared the shit out of me Mm -hmm. it scared the shit out of me Me we went to see it as a family and i found it so frightening that i felt like i was going to start crying in the movie theater and i was you know even at eight i'm just the kid that's like i'm gonna watch it's alive in our adjoined hotel room my parents don't know that i'm doing it uh-huh. and you know so i fancied myself being much braver than i actually was but close encounters just laid me out is it the scene it where they they take the kid is that the scene that's the or all scariest? the toys and all mm-hmm. the thing and mm-hmm. yeah and for some reason by the time i was deep x files like then i just was living for it but there's definitely that weird light from the tree through the trees thing, just that weird mm-hmm. something that's very evocative and takes me right back to being really frightened of alien stuff or whatever. But in real life, I'm not frightened of it. So I don't know why this movie scared me so much. Now I, I, yeah, like this time I, I just now 
have a very different idea of this film. Mm. I don't like it any less, but it was mm. really weird to me to kind of just be watching it, like kind of waiting to have be terrified and not being terrified. Yeah, that's funny. I yeah. I've... Were you terrified? Me? Yeah. I yeah. It got really. I got scared during the scenes where with all the frenetic editing and all the loud noises mm-hmm. and stuff on the ship that that because I watched this movie. I tried to watch this earlier this year or like end of like, lo- like a month or two ago, a month or two ago. And, you know, woke up during that scene and it really fucked me up, like just waking <laughs> up out of a dream. I mean, I don't like the, the gelatinous stuff. No, I don't like that. When they stuff uh, that goo into his mouth. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like what's that for? And Though, then the weird milk. Is it, is it like eye? lube? The they like put lube? a sheet over him and then they mist him with this stuff that tightens that sheet down and that Yeah. I was like that's why I did honestly that's why I researched into the real story about what actually happened to him on that ship or what he says happened to him because I was so, the, because those ideas are so incredible. Like mm-hmm. that that sheet just being tightened around him and that claustrophobia and the like cocoon with the stretchy membrane, mm-hmm. all of that stuff and the I weightlessness. Know, I know what they missed him with. What is it? The whole everything on that ship looks like a spring roll wrapper. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> like rice and I was paper. like, "Oh, it's a spring roll wrapper." <laughs> no, it's the stuff I can't remember what the brand name of it is but for a certain i just used some of this stuff on a painting that i was repairing my it's it was a painting that i own it wasn't at the museum just so we're clear um (laughs) but it's a solution that you make that's got these polymers in it you can buy it in a spray but i made some um and you basically like spray it um on canvases and it soaks the fibers of the canvas it like expands them and then it tightens them up when you dry it and so Whoa. if you have a painting that's really slack Ooh. or like that like if you have a painting where something's fallen into it and it's got like a little thing as long as there's not paint loss on it then you can brush these solutions on the back or spray it on the back and when it dries, it will tighten it up. Whoa, that's so it's cool. almost like like starch in a weird way, but yeah, it's like it's basically you're resizing the canvas. Mm-hmm. But it's something you should be really careful with because if the canvas is painted, then you can kind of fuck up the painting, not oh, yeah. in a way that's really visible, but like you you shouldn't do it. But so you know what sizing is when you size a painting. Mm-hmm. When you put it on a frame, you mean? No, that's stretching it. Mm. So when you size a canvas, your putting um rabbit skin glue on it oh and it does the same thing where it soaks into the fibers and then the fibers like lock up it's like when you wash uh wool to make felt Uh the fibers tighten up because they have like expanded into each other with moisture and then so a canvas is sized before you gesso it you size it with the glue and water that's awesome. And so you're just resizing it to tighten it up. Huh. So I was like, oh, because I had just done it on this painting that I put on my wall. I was like, they are, are they sizing They're Travis? Sizing Travis. <laughs> They're sizing Travis. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, in that spring roll wrapper. In the spring roll wrapper <laughs> that they, you like, you have such relief when they cut the little air hole for his mouth mm-hmm. and then his, and then mm-hmm. he can breathe and scream again. And then they fill his mouth with that brown goop <laughs> and then shove like a, 
and shove a wire down his wire throat. Wire down his throat. Oh my god, that that's shit looks so like, horrible. It's like they stuff his mouth with jellied consomme, and yeah, then, <laughs> yeah. And you're like, just like, why are they doing that? An aspic. Like, what is that? Yeah, it's so, so gross. Yeah, really, really smart image though. That that like ripped open mouth hole, and then mm-hmm. one ripped open eye. Like it's yeah, and really it's good. Just constantly really screaming and gross. unable to close his eye. Oh my god, mm-hmm. the ideas on that ship all of those ideas are incredible of course it was ilm and they're just like amazing visual effects artists but just the ideas of what they were doing i was i it's genius that Mm -hmm. like whole membrane thing it's kind of like the matrix did it a little bit later sort of right was yeah that was later right that was much later yeah like 2000 yeah so yeah it was like I love that stuff. And I want more of that in this movie. Like the, when I was reading online, I don't know how this, what the reception was at all. Do you have any idea what the. It was middling. Yeah. Because people, the, the thing I read online, some review, it might've been Roger Ebert. And it was like the alien, the spaceships section is incredible. Mm -hmm. And then the human stuff is just kind of boring and like not, it doesn't do that great of a job of like supporting the alien visit, yeah which i could see that i mean i i agree i i i want it all to work yeah uh i just it just doesn't there's a disconnect in it uh and mm. it's it is it's great when it's i don't know it, it maybe it'd be better if the trailers for the movie didn't show the fucking ship because they did yeah um that trailer's cool though. To, because it would have been pretty interesting to see a movie where these these Four, four or five men show back up into town one night and then tell tale of their friend yeah. who was on a job with them that went missing. Mm-hmm. And if we don't know mm-hmm. what happened, yeah, that makes it more intriguing and it makes it gives it like it leaves right. our minds to wander and to to experience the mystery of the story. And then to have them show back up, like we get. Th- it's even more exciting. Mm-hmm. And then to see what happened on the ship. Holy fucking shit. That's terrifying. Holy God. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I'd be cool with it. Just ending. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah. but I think the fact that it was like advertised as a kind of sci-fi horror movie, yeah. which it is not, mm-hmm. uh, it mm-hmm. has a sci-fi horror section, mm-hmm. but that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. It fails. It fails because wow. of how it was advertised. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess I wasn't like as into the advertising. Well, I mean, I, never, I was, you know, present. You were like, like excited was, for yeah. it to watch it when you uh, saw the trailers. Not particularly, honestly. Really? Yeah. At that point, I was in my, I was in my fucking <laughs> American indie seventy cinema oh, foreign okay. film. Mm. I love that. That mm. uh, I was excited because James Garner. Uh, oh yeah. I couldn't even. I wasn't even yeah. like excited about the boys in this. Oh, that's I am now. <laughs> now I I'm like, feel, oh, squandered youth. If I had watched this in my formative years, I would have like um latex fetish now. <laughs> like, yeah, it would. Like I was like, damn. Honestly, I, yeah, it's I'm sure like a lot of the vor the vor fetishes and it's, latex fetishes probably link back to this movie when they start ripping certain, his clothes off. Oh. And some of those shots are like porno shots yeah. it's crazy there was a there's a couple good rips of clothing yeah <laughs> that's that are that are just made funny to me because they then show 
the little wrinkle alien face. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Which are also like, scary. <laughs> they are scary. But then it's but a it's shot of him like looking so down funny. at his body in in the, the craziest way. Like that. It's like really weirdly <laughs> almost sexual. And then there, there's that mm. one shot where he's like sar- saran wrapped, and you can see like in yeah. great detail his whole member. And it's like, <laughs> damn! If I had watched that when I was a child, holy shit! I would have been like, Ellen's logging off. <laughs> Helen <laughs> just disconnected. Uh, Damn. Yeah. Like, I was just like, what the fuck? Whoa. Like, it's scary and sexy at the same time. Just uh, like Jarvis from afar. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're there, is it time? Uh, it's time for Pick Your Poke. Pick your eyeball needle poke. Pick your. Iris surgery oh. tool. Pick which man whose yeah. denim you would rip off and then saran wrap him in rice paper. Honestly, difficult, difficult, difficult one, guys. Yeah, it, it, it was the entire front seat of the truck uh, <laughs> for, yeah. for a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, D.B. Sweeney, Robert Patrick, and uh, Alec Berg. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Alec Berg. Peter Berg. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Different Berg. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but it was Travis's... Whoa brother dan oh yeah okay travis's brother dan (laughs) with the wide set eyes who was real angry he was mad was a snack and he was just in a an episode of star trek next generation that i just watched face of the enemy (laughs) where deanna troy becomes a romulan ellen shut up joe brooks brooks what if he just appeared? <laughs> he pops he, up he, uh, behind you. He energizes you have, you have, in. <laughs> you have like a little a, a Star Trek vase that you rub, and yeah. he just slithers out of it. <laughs> Brooks and I live together. <laughs> he just runs up. There's um, no Star Trek in this house, Mister <laughs> Stun. <laughs> Mine is 100 definitely DB Sweeney, yeah. and he is so. So fucking cute. It's it crazy. Is, it is his cutest. It is wild. And even during the horrifying moments when he's got denim just like <clears throat> saliva to his body and his hair is all like just nasty and goopy. I'm just like, damn. Yeah. Ellen. Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. not even Daddy J. Not the lights in the trees. <laughs> not even uh... the, the eldest looking okay, alien James race. Garner. It's okay. James Garner. James Garner. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We pressured you. Peer pressure. Yeah. Poke pressure. It kind of, yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Um, can we talk about how I hate ET? We don't have to, this, but I was thinking <laughs> we earlier, have before. We've covered it. But <laughs> this is like adult ET, sort of. No, but the kid from ET is yeah, in Henry this Henry Thomas movie. is in this what? movie. Henry Thomas is, is Elliot, Elliot is in this movie. What, which one? He's is the, the young Elliot one. Elliot is the high school kid. I didn't know one that. Of the, Henry Thomas was wearing the band the t-shirts. Freelance yeah, the freelance lumberjacks. The like, high school kid. Yeah, right, the Fleetwood Mac shirt. Fleetwood Mac shirt and a and a sticks shirt after. So that. he was like, I'll oh, do yeah, yeah, yeah. E.T. with Steven Spielberg, and then I'll just do like alien shit after that. Was that like a big selling point for the movie? That it's like the alien kid. No, 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 no. 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 Because no. I think it was probably an inside joke, if anything. But I Henry Thomas yeah. was working. Like he never didn't work. Uh why? Yeah. Um he was in yeah, that, he's good. Uh CQ the, the Roman Why? <laughs> I'm so curious. It just seems like a movie you would like because that also scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. E.T. Gray and that riverbank. Oh, scary. Oh, I thought that was just sad. And his weird little feet. 
I love DT. I Did still he love die? DT. Oh yeah. I remember it. He, he dies. Yeah, Elliot has to like revive him with his life oh. force. He doesn't die if he revives him. <laughs> no, but then they get him out of there. What what do you hate about ET? I'm curious. It's stupid. That's what I hate about it. It's stupid. <laughs> oh. Okay. What about Drew Barrymore? It's stupid. <laughs> it's it, for me it's because it's just the movie panders like it just tries so hard to be cutesy and whatever uh, it's like i was i could see that talking to somebody at my work today who really wanted to talk about return of the jedi and i don't want to talk about return of the jedi um mm. because return of the jedi is not good <laughs> and it's um not good for a major reason a major contributing factor to me about the not goodness of return of the jedi is that it has Ewoks in it, and that's not good. Ewoks and little, like, dancing, and it's, like, just like the Porgs. It's like, you know what? This, that, would that whatever the fuck Star Wars, new Star Wars thing that movie was, that could have been a Bergman-esque masterpiece. Oh. But no, no, you have to put in cutesy little things. And yeah, so, yeah. for me, E.T. is just highly concentrated everything that I don't like about Steven Spielberg films. Huh. And then it was just so like made in a factory designed to exploit children. I just hate it. Huh. I hate it. I have I, such. I nost- agree with you completely, and I love it. I'm just. <laughs> I'm through. I'm like in the valley of nostalgia with ET. So like I cannot mm. see it for what it is. But like, were you even born when ET came out? No. What year did it come out? Eighty three. No. No. Wait. But was I, it eighty three? Was eighty two? Maybe eighty. Mm, I don't know. It was earlier. It was it was pre Joe. But um, the I love ET. I I didn't. I eighty two. The cutesy mm-hmm. family friendly thing. I mean, I was terrified of it, and it, and it was the also the section where he's leading him up with um, Reese's pieces, and he mm-hmm. comes out of the fog, and he's sitting in the yard, and he comes out of the corn or whatever the hell what are they growing in los angeles that there's why is there cornfields <laughs> in their backyard weeds <laughs> yeah and he pops out of that that was that's terrified me i thought that was so fucking scary when i was a kid so and i and then the nostalgia of everything i just like can't see it for what it actually is yeah there's i i it's impossible for mm-hmm. me to have an objective opinion on et same with ewoks um at all yeah uh mm-hmm. but i i do know that every time I've watched it, uh, I have really, really enjoyed it, and it's mm. mostly because I just love the way it looks. It looks. I so love. Uh, I love teenagers in in the early eighties. That. Um, ugh. I just love how how what assholes they were, and just it's it's so fun to me to to be in suburban southern california yes in the mm, early sure. 80s like i have such a huge fetish for that it's one of the reasons that i am sure. so into living in los angeles right now yeah like i am reminded of that yeah a lot the scene mm. where they're eating pizza at the very beginning mm-hmm. that there is that, that is fucking hideous lamp yeah but it's Ugh. imprinted on my core being of like I, that's what I thought about when we watched Rockford Files, where they're planning and they're doing. She's like trying to fake the autograph, yes. and they're just in their little house and just getting to see a family like hanging out like that in the very specific way, where it's like that. It's sort of charming. You kind of want to be there. You feel like you are there a little bit, and it just feels so. 
I don't know, like it's obviously super nostalgic for me, but like, and then there's like hazy, foggy light going on at the there's, same time. Yeah, even it's though her very even the mom doesn't smoke, there's cigarette smoke. There's cigarette smoke <laughs> like everywhere. In every room all the time. <laughs> it's just like a very specific energy that felt, I guess, mm. felt real to me at that time or something. I don't know what it is about that. But that it, movie like, was fucking verite to me when I was. A and kid. then he's like, when she's doing dishes <laughs> and she's looking out the window, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that moment. And it's all yeah. I love it yeah. all. I love I love all that shit. I love. There's it just all. something about it that I've. I've only seen ET once. Oh, really? Oh, we got to And watch it, it was when I saw it in the theater. Oh my god. Oh wow. There's, you're um, never going to let us watch it, are you? You're never going to watch oh, it again. Well, I mean, if the wheel chooses. You refuse. I don't I don't want to watch it again. Yeah. And it's because I don't like Steven Spielberg films except for maybe like one or two mm-hmm. and I struggle with it. Like and on in honesty, like Return of the Jedi, I've probably only seen like four four or five times and it's part of the star wars trilogy yeah every time like, i watch that, I, yeah <laughs> every time i watch star wars uh i i watch star wars i watch empire strikes back and then i put on return of the jedi and then and i'm done bonk. with it an hour in yeah it's oh, as soon yeah. as they get to endor i'm like i'm done yeah I don't, e- I don't even need to see the battle royale that's i just so... all i want is the sarlacc pit the, and, the rancor and the rancor <laughs> that's what i love about it that's that's it mm-hmm. yeah i feel like you know like i skipped school on the day that that film opened and i went my day was number one pretend to go to school number two <laughs> go to kyyx and meet bono number three go to return of the jedi mm-hmm. number four go to the mcdonald's that's between the ua 150 and the Paramount Theater, eat at McDonald's. I love that. I'm McDonald's. so excited to go see you two after eating at McDonald's that I threw up everywhere in the McDonald's. <laughs> oh fuck! I oh, went no. to see you two at the Paramount. Oh my god! Wow, it's this. This is Tacoma because memory. Because I right? was, oh, I was a teenager in the early '80s. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you know. Yeah, but you were yeah, I don't it. want to see ET again. And my uh, dad would sometimes remind me that when we walked out of the theater, I said that it was stupid. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I'm, I'd be so curious though. A review I, I give to this day. Now I'm, I'm aiming towards ET now for us because no, I'm so I'm, curious. I, I'm, I don't want to. I don't even want to push that. Or, <laughs> I would rather just. I would rather just you. watch it with Ellen, just out like it, without podcast involved just to see what you think of it now like yeah. just with that with that amount of distance I, i'm so curious because i love to watch movies that i hate that i hated uh <laughs> with a lot of distance between them because sometimes my mind changes sometimes i am just like fully justified in my vitriol yeah and mm. i love both things i love yeah. <laughs> i love it when either of those things happen <laughs> yeah Fair enough, but I don't want to watch that. I know, I know. I, I, w- I will never be... make you watch ET. <sighs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't have like a strong urge to watch it again. I haven't watched it in years, so. But it's my like... link is ET because. Oh uh, fuck yeah, mine is too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about if you both believe Travis's Travis uh, Walton's story at all. Is there a part of you that believes it? I have no reason to not believe it. I believe that. He believes that happened. Mm-hmm. But, but you don't believe it happened. I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if mm-hmm. it happened. But I believe that something happened. Mm-hmm. 
And I believe that he is a different person now because of whatever trauma they all experienced mm-hmm. uh, that night. And clearly, like, I don't know. One of the things that I don't like about the way the film handles it is whether or not they are, you know, remained friends or whatever. I mean, I know their friendship has to have an arc for the oh. sake of the movie, but I, I right. feel like it would make more sense after experiencing something like that, that you would never want to see each other again. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, it's one or the other. Yeah, you either it either bonds mm-hmm. you for life or it rips you into in mm-hmm. half, which and it did to their marriages. Yeah, one of the yeah. one of the points that the real Travis Walton made in the interview I saw was like he was like, "We weren't friends. We didn't. They we barely together. knew each other. We didn't hang out. Mm-hmm. We we didn't like mm-hmm. we did not know each other. We had that whole crew of lumberjacks. So you have to do that for the Hollywood thing. And like, I get it." I love that they did the the version that they did for the Hollywood version of mm-hmm. this story, and he can tell his story, you know. But he, I'm I have mixed feelings about it, the, like watching the interview with him because he had a lot of things where he's like, "Well, yeah, in the movie they did this, and it was actually like this," and it's like, dude, you got a fucking movie made about your story that ILM did the special effects for, like that's fucking incredible. Of course, it has to appeal to like. The movie going yeah, audience. Yeah, but if it's not your story, that must be weird, right? It's That's probably really and, weird. And yeah, especially if it's if if your story is something that you've had to fight to legitimize. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, people don't it, believe you, and then yeah. they make it into a lie. That's a and really specifically good point. to have ILM do it. It's like, oh, you fucking assholes! Like this is not real. That's a really good point. What happened to me is real. And yeah, what you're showing is not. Well, have either of you ever seen a UFO? Honestly, I wouldn't know. I w- I I could be staring up at the night sky and see a fucking flying saucer, and I would obviously just convince myself that it was yeah exactly a bird carrying a plate. Yeah, mm. if I was thirteen, I would tell you <laughs> I definitely yes have seen many UFOs, but no, now no, I don't think I have really. It it's occupies like, the hmm. same space as ghosts for me, although I feel like UFOs are definitely more of a I I. I'm a more of a believer, a firm believer that UFOs exist simply mm-hmm. even from a semantic point of view. Yes, there there are obviously unidentified flying objects. Yeah, right. Our government, I 100% believe, has craft that they are testing and whatever. Like, of course, they're doing sure. things oh. that we don't we aren't told about and that are like unidentified extraterrestrial to the craft. Not necessarily that. I mean, I'm just talking about like technology in general. Oh, yeah. Like definitely. if if someone dropped an iPhone in 1995, we would all think they were an alien. Right, right. Have you ever seen one, Ellen? No, I haven't. But when I was on that trip filming last fall and the new most recent season of the Netflix like updated Unsolved Mysteries dropped mm. and there's a really freaky UFO episode in Mm. that season Mm -hmm. and i watched it in my weird hotel room in pendleton oregon and it i have to say it freaked me out and then the next morning um i went out to get some footage like as the sun's rising like off the river there and so i'm like tromping around like in this smallish town um and I was filming up in the sky and then I just had this weird moment where I like was filming these birds and like tracking the birds across like this soft morning light and there's this bridge. And then all of a sudden, like I just kind of freaked out, and, like jerked the camera down. And when I looked at the footage, you know, later to edit it, I was like, oh, 
like I felt kind of freaked out and scared again mm. at that moment. Like, oh. I don't know that, that that was like a weird thing where part of the one of the people they talked to is like a scientist who gathered all this data of this very well documented experience of seeing like something that people just cannot explain mm -hmm. and he basically recorded all of the radar data that also could not be explained and so he has spent most of his career kind of trying to outrun people thinking that he's a nut job but also you know he still is a scientist and he says it it just he he just can't explain it and that for as a scientist that that's that's really hard mm. i think that's really interesting yeah so i would never say I, I am not one of those people that just could say this exists or this does not exist mm -hmm. but i also think there there are a lot of in-between points on the spectrum there's a lot of room that our minds give us whether it's based on our own experiences mm -hmm. or imagination or how we're influenced you know it's like the sensory uh triggers all the things like i just think that in itself is really fascinating and hard to explain so mm -hmm. you know i i'm more interested in in when people have sort of a collective experience and yeah. alien abductions in particular is one of those things yes. where globally people describe the same things over and over again it's just really hard to know what or why or yeah you know i i'm really fascinated by it uh i it's like what you're talking about where there's like space in your head for it and how mm -hmm. people you can become obsessed with it pretty easily and it's kind of funny like there's a lot of there's a big in the desert of california the desert area there it becomes like the i wonder if there's like any cons like census information taken about how much more people believe it in open desert regions rather than mm -hmm. in like whatever wherever else. I think that is, I think you can find that information because it is you really can. interesting yeah. that the, it's like a type of person that I just, it's just like, it's like a little bit of hope sort of for something else going on. Mm -hmm. And the, and the mm -hmm. collective there's like different categories like the grays or like, lumerians or that kind of thing mm. that there's categories for extraterrestrial life and it's it is all so interesting i i'm really fascinated by it and i was like that's why i, I love this fire in the sky because i i just think it's so cool that this movie was made i'm i'm like kind of surprised that it was made based on this guy's true story and that it was such a big production and all these big actors were in it and it's really, I don't I mean, know. It's well, really it's interesting. A, it's a cinematic story. I mean, it's a, it's a really, yeah. it's a great movie. Yeah, it's totally. a great movie idea. Yeah, and of course, it's, it's an even better movie idea via 1993. If you mm -hmm. have the aliens be really malicious and and scary mm -hmm. and well, right. It's like what you're, what you're touching on there, Joe, is like people can turn that belief of life forms coming to from other planets you can project whatever you want onto it some people are like amazed by it and it's like it's beautiful they want to communicate with us and we're going to have this shared experience and then for other people it's just about another place to put xenophobia and yeah, hatred exactly you know? so i think it always really reflects how people are feeling mm -hmm. themselves about the world and their place in the world rather like 
literally mm-hmm. and figuratively, and that's what comes out mm-hmm. in what people think they're saying. But yeah, Eric's right. Like you can look up all of the uh, UFO reports. Like they're documented. Yeah. Um, like Capel Griffiths did this great series of paintings where he looked at all those records and painted. Ooh. Um, that's cool. Paintings based on the reports that are really awesome. Well, yeah, I want to also name drop my friend Brad Abrahams, who did a uh, yeah. documentary called Love and Saucers. And it's about, I think his name is David Huggins, who was abducted by aliens and claim. Okay, so I'll just read the synopsis of this movie. And it's really well done. It says David Huggins, 72, claims to have lost his virginity to an extraterrestrial being as a young man and creates yeah, art okay. to express his feelings about his interspecies romance. And the paintings that he does are amazing. They're amazing. <laughs> They're really, really wild. That documentary so, is great, too. I, I highly recommend Love and Saucers to anybody. that yes. If you have a, even a passing interest in this, it's, it's really an interesting documentary. Yeah. And then also he did a short called Telos, Telos or Bust, Ugh, which, which is, is about excellent. the community in Mount Shasta, California. And it's just because apparently Mount Shasta is a gateway into a Lumerian city. There's a Lumerian city underneath Mount Shasta. And it's this uh, high okay. point of energy and confluence of like, there's like these, um, what are they called? Venticular clouds above the mountain. And there's all these like uh-huh. sort of religious people out there. And he just, it's really well done little short documentary. That it's very short and it's awesome. It's, I, got, I highly recommend that one as well. And I, I think these some, are really well-made documentaries. Yes. And, and I got to do some animation They are, for again, it. not making fun of the subject. No, no. Good. Um, yeah, definitely. Just He's just interested in that, this component of humanity. That It's really fascinating. These, like, the conspiracy theorists and the, the alien and the abductees and all that kind of stuff. It's just like really interesting. And there's a whole culture of people that just with all these categories and things, and even watching Travis, his interview where he was talking about, they were like, he was talking about the man who came into the room with him that didn't look like the, like the dried raisin type little gray (laughs) aliens. And he, and he was like, Oh, those could have been like androids or they could have been like this species or this species. And, Travis, of course, was like, yes, I've heard about all of those species of aliens. And he's like sort of in that world now of people that mm. have all these theories. Yeah. It's just really interesting. Someone I know, her dad um, has always believed in aliens. And one of the offshoot uh, aspects of that belief is that he believes anyone who's taller than seven feet tall is an alien. Oh, I believe that. <laughs> I definitely believe that. And so as or a result, she's... DNA. She's terrified of aliens. Oh, because her dad of tall people was so <laughs> into He's the just belief terrified of, it. of aliens. Like it really scares her. Oh, oh, which That's... is weird because if you're just walking outside, then you're fucked. Yeah. So, like right. Ellen said yeah. earlier um, about the belief in in extraterrestrial life or or any anything else out mm-hmm. there, and you brought up also when we were talking about the Brad Abrams mm-hmm. documentaries. Mm-hmm. I always see it as kind of a faith-based uh, yeah. belief. Totally. A little bit. Um, yeah. And the way that you fall on it, uh, whether whether your your faith leads you to xenophobia or leads mm-hmm. you to a curiosity, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. 
that's the that's the interesting part to me yeah is that it either leads you to one of those arenas mm. and that's the same with religion yeah uh like my father very yes. curious christian yeah and he is also he's also really fucking into ufos right now like he meets up with oh, with a bunch of old dudes and they go to they go to mcdonald's they go to mcdonald's at 6 a.m every thursday and talk talk Aww. ufos it's so sweet and they probably just tell the same stories. which mcdonald's <laughs> i don't know it would be somewhere near university place yeah oh, UP. okay oh i bet it's by the one by two anyways oh we should bleep all of this out i won't so tell my mom get any... <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah don't tell joyce <laughs> oh joy, joy should crash the party it'd be great she's gonna get into ufos she could throw now. some intrigue into the whole thing <laughs> i think that's uh... so sweet your dad i've i've had hour-long conversations with your dad about ufos and it's it's really fast like the amount of just knowledge she has about those stories about air force pilots who have seen these capsules and they're it, all this um pre, uh, what, what's it called confidential information that's being un- well, declassified your dad better have watched that unsolved mysteries Oh, he did. Oh, we talked yeah. about it. Oh my god! Oh we talked god. about it. we. He's seen it all. Like he's seen every yeah. every yes. element. Yeah, and he's had his own experiences with UFOs. Yeah, believable because he's from Spokane. Yeah, and from from early age, from childhood. So it's it's yeah, a really he's from Spokane yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yep, totally. Where your dad and my mom grew up is so <laughs> weird and spooky and mm, isolated. Yeah. I was just telling someone from France how scary Spokane is. <laughs> oh, yeah, Spokane. And I love... But it's like, beautiful, too. I love your dad's passion about all of, all of it, and I love hearing him talk about it, mm-hmm. and, but I, I also love your mom's facial expression when he starts talking about that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Surely. Yeah. When he goes off. That is so interesting. So he comes back. And he's all freaked out. She touches him. He screams. They call Jarvis. Jarvis pokes him with a microphone. And then he goes to therapy for an indeterminate amount of time. And then he comes back into their house. And clearly the perfect thing is a surprise party to have a bunch of people shoving their face in his face, poking at him, and like trying to shove food in his mouth. Great scene. Exactly what he wants from being probed by aliens. And then that's the scene where she finds him under the dining table and then some syrup. Goes, this, like, oh, my God. It's so such creepy. a good. Really well the syrup done. blowing yes. across the table is so harrowing. How visceral gross. that is and just like the sweetness that you can feel on his lips when it, it shows him on the ship yeah. is so, that's <laughs> so well done. And really interesting. And just You know, this movie Again, reminded me of, okay, what's the movie with, um, is it Jessica Chastain and the guy who's afraid of a storm coming? Oh, Take Shelter. Take Shelter. Mm-hmm. This movie really, Take Shelter really reminded me of this movie, I should say, because that came out. Have you ever seen that, Ellen? It it's is really great. Really uh, it's creepy. Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, yeah. Michael Shannon, yes. and, Jessica, and Chastain, Jessica Chastain, and another attractive man. God, and I love Michael Shannon. It's just like... It's really good. It's maybe him... Yeah falling into a schizophrenic bipolar episode or it's just it it's so well done and really fucking scary take shelter has the elements that fire in the sky needed to be a complete film yeah for me. Interesting. yeah and and okay. and also fire in the sky has elements that take shelter does not have which is why it's not a widely seen movie <laughs> yeah and then i think my biggest question was like with the Dallas character, who's just a fucking asshole, and you know, is that Craig Sheffer? 
this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Great yeah. Shepherd. So he from some almost kind of wonderful. Cut, he almost drops a tree onto Travis and then like puts a chainsaw on his face. And then later on in the movie, he has a big cut on his hand. Mm-hmm. And they they were like they got into a fight that day, and that was the story they were sort of covering up. They were like, let's stick to the story. Everybody stick to the story. That's why they were so nervous about the lie detector test. But then they never go into like what actually happened with that. I guess it's maybe it's not important. But that might have been a deleted scene. They just yeah, it's it really felt like a deleted scene. Like they got into a big fight, and I don't know. It it just felt like a missing component to the whole thing because there was like when they first get to the bar at the very beginning of the movie, T one thousand is like stick to the story. <laughs> Everybody stick to the story, and it's like what story? What are you talking about? The story that you're sticking to is like just what you all saw happen. So I didn't understand that was like a disconnect. There must have been some deleted scenes or something that was like really confusing to me about what they were talking about with that whole thing. And then my last note is like the waitress at the the diner looks at him in a really weird way. And like she's like in love with him or something. I don't know. There was some <laughs> weird also deleted scene of like what is going on with this waitress? Looks at who? She looks at, at um, Dallas? T-1000. Oh, he's, he's hot. She's I looking guess, at the hot guy. I guess. It was just so strange. It was like this very lingering look on end of him. Mm. And it was like, what, what is this? Something's happening here, but I don't understand why. Anyways, that's all my notes. Right. We're done. Right. Well, uh, I, I, I recommend this movie to people that are interested in seeing this movie. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it, well, I mean, and I mean, I mean it just like that. It's worth your time if you have any interest. If you don't have any interest in this subject matter or in these adorable actors yeah don't you you don't need to see this um it's a good i like the movie it's not a good movie it's uh, it's got a lot of construction issues um yeah but it's but that doesn't ruin it it's got so many amazing things in it that it's worth it's worth your time it is really interesting i feel the same way but i feel a little bit more like this it's like a movie that i heard about in my adult years and i never heard about before and i'm kind of wondering why because there were moments of this movie that were like poltergeist level for me like really classic horror beautifully done amazing and then other moments that don't work so well but mostly i think this movie is really fantastic and i maybe just am like a little bit more interested in this subject matter like this story Mm -hmm. and like just seeing someone's abduction story told in this yeah. big hollywood ilm kind of way is really amazing so i love it i think it's definitely worth watching and it's terrifying and if you like paul rudd if you like paul rudd <laughs> you might just like db sweeney in fire in the sky and he, he listener he's smoking hot smoking slam it as is every other fucking like it's it's they just a fuckable cast like, like six of them in that truck even there's like a shit ton of extras that i would throw one in like yeah. they're it's, yeah it's ridiculous yeah pokeable mm. extras i'm thinking this is so random but there's a shot at the very beginning of well not the very very beginning but near the start of the movie when mike and travis are driving to pick up the rest of the freelance lumberjacks Mm-hmm. And um, they're waiting on the side of the road, mm-hmm. and the shot is over their shoulders, but the shot's angled up so you don't see the truck coming. Mm-hmm. And there's music playing on the transistor radio, and the shot 
hits the overhead telephone wires in a way that it like it just catches like the glare off the top of these telephone wires and even though it is a sunny warm day it just gives it this strange iced look it's just a really beautiful really unnecessary uh unnecessarily beautifully framed shot Mm -hmm. and for me that's a shot that sort of defines the movie for me because we're getting a second chance to have our innocence back before they experience this crazy thing, yeah. which we've already seen happen in some way. We've seen the t- the aftermath of it mm-hmm. very briefly, but it's like, oh, there's just something about that shot that captures like the warmth of, you know, a uh, late of a summer morning. And it's just uh, when anything's possible and you just feel like, oh, shit. This is all going to go south (laughs) and they're never going to be the same. And so all of those scenes I love when it's like leading up to their lives being changed. So, of course, I really enjoy this movie. Of course, like I have spent most of my lifetime spent in concert with this movie being terrified of it. I do still think that the actual like scene where he's injured by whatever it is that they see in the woods is so scary. So I guess I do recommend this movie. It also has these elements that I think I really appreciate that kind of started happening again around this time, nineties, early two thousands, where suddenly there was an influx of films like a simple plan Mm. things like that where there were these movies that were uh, really heavily focused on a certain kind of american experience often blue collar kind of thing with really a spotlight on relationships and then something else really crazy is happening but it's always connected back to those interpersonal relationships and i think seeing this film again this time and not being absolutely paralyzed with fear kind of gave me the space to see some of these other aspects of the story that seemed strange in the movie really because they could have just gone for broke with like you're saying alien horror and it would have been a smash hit instead it's a play about living in a small town and how people choose sides and choose what they're going to believe and that if you're the person that everyone thinks is lying that your life is ruined yeah Right. Um, yeah. So I recommend it. I think it's it's in a lot of ways it is not successful, but in a lot of ways it is much more than it needs to be. So I would say, yeah, for me, Fire in the Sky is much more than it needs to be, and I think that my affection for it is very similar in that it's like there is really no reason for me to uh, have this soft spot for this movie that I do, but I have it. <laughs> So there we go. I feel that too. Yeah, like definitely. It feels like a cult classic that I just never heard about. I don't know. There's yeah. just something so great about it. I look forward to when it gets restored. Uh, they, like the, the oh, that's stream. gonna be scary. Then it's gonna be scary again. <laughs> yeah. The stream that we watched, I was scary. really disappointed with the with the quality of really. The, I thought the stream. it looked great. It was a lot of jumpy, quivery, quivery. Thank you. You could tell that just from the the, the credits studio. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, 
totally. I like that though. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a solid. Like, but all I, the lights I, on them in the lot. bar when they go in the bar, oh, and there's it's beautiful. All those colored it's beautiful. Lights. But imagine if it was like the real contrast of the film, and yeah, not, not sure. like a, a transfer from probably 1998. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I think it deserves a a restoration. I think so too. Right. I don't think Criterion's going to do it, but you know, I'm yeah. You never no, know. but but fuck like. Anybody could, yeah, just do it. Lionsgate could do it. I'm really curious. Vinegar syndrome. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's really interesting because also Travis Walton, the real life Travis Walton, still lives in that town. So mm-hmm. it's like, if you those towns, I mean, I guess you have your connections, you have your roots down, but you could just move to another one pretty easily, you know. Like, so if he felt like threatened or judged too much by the community he would could just get out of there pretty easily and like probably make a new life uh, you know he's not like a, a name yeah. and maybe at that time he was a name that the whole they the whole crew of real life lumberjacks got five thousand dollars from the national Enquirer for being the best ufo story of that year i guess so maybe he had that sort of notoriety yeah to be recognized at that time but hmm. he still lives there which i feel like speaks volumes about how you know, whatever the community oh, thinks of him. Uh, I don't know. 70s. I mean, he must have been like in his 20s, 1975. So, yeah. so, what is that, 50? Yeah, 50 years ago. Yeah. 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 Probably in his 70s. Yeah. Um, and he, well, I just seeing this interview with him too is so fascinating because he is, you know, probably in his 70s and just is like, if it was a prank. Like, why would you maintain that for? Can you imagine if this was like? Does he still have that cute mustache? He does. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but it's like, just like what you said, Ellen, where you're like, you believe that he, that he believes this happened to himself because it's like, yeah, I believe something happened. Yeah, and it's like, why would you maintain that story after all these years, fifty years? You wouldn't. You would not. There's no way. I wouldn't. I would be. I would get so tired of it, and I would just be like, you know what? I made it up. If he felt like he made it up, forty years in, he would have been like, you know what? I just made that up. I'm so sick of talking about it. But he still maintains. He still talks about it in detail. That's how he learned about like what actually happened on that ship. Mm-hmm. So that says a lot to me. You know, I don't know. People can be wild and have their different ideas, but I don't know. And then mm. there's the polygraph test too. But anyways, we gotta. Yeah. Okay. So, well, anyway, hot link time. Hot links. Mm. Um, I picked so many. Um, but I am going with Kathleen Wilhoyt because I love her. Mm. And mm-hmm. even though she is in a funny movie called Witchboard, and one of my favorite movies of all time called Angel Heart, she is in oh a movie God. that I have not seen that I've wanted to see since it came out, called Bad Influence. Uh-oh. And that is my link. Give a synopsis. It's the Rob Lowe movie? Rob Lowe and James Spader. Oh, I love it. It's I directed by influence. Curtis Hansen. Uh, mm-hmm. it is, I love the Bad Influence. Yeah, it's an early 90s thriller, and I believe it's supposed to be good. What, what's her name again? Deloitte? What's Will, her Hoyt. Name? Will Hoyt. Will Hoyt. Will Hoyt. Kathleen Will Hoyt. Kathleen Wilhoyt. W-I-L-L-H-O-Y-T-E. I'm really regretting not choosing an episode of Gilmore Girls. The spookiest <laughs> really episode. Really, are you? Because... Uh... <laughs> is there a spooky episode? <laughs> no, there is not. The founding spooky. of Stars there's, Hollow there's is pretty that, spooky. That epi- the, the museum, <laughs> yeah, the historical Stars Hollow Museum episode is the funniest thing I've 
seen in yeah. many, many years, but <laughs> not For spooky. fuck's sake, how can you still be talking about the game? <laughs> I love that Ellen's mic. Like this... The same way that you still have uh, crunchy, chewy pineapple Look, in a crinkly it's bag. Long. It's like E.T. was in that microphone <laughs> like for the past your, 10 minutes. You've your fucking E.T. eating Reese's Fingers pieces over this bitch. Crinkling Good, all I'm going to eat them super loud now. <laughs> Mute. <laughs> it's like it's like ET sound effects. It really is. Are you Deborah like Winger? Re- are you eating Reese's pieces with your long ass fingers? <laughs> okay, my uh, link is The Grid, and it is The Outer Limits, season six, episode Ooh. fifteen. Start with DB Sweeney. Uh, And the synopsis is, investigating his brother's murder, a man discovers a mind control project operated by a computer. Stars D.B. Sweeney, Jessica Steen, Colleen Renison, and Brent Strait. So, a mind control project operated by a computer. That sounds very heart-to-heart to to me. It's from July 14th, (laughs) 2000. Have we ever seen The Outer Limits before? I've seen the original Outer Limits, Mm -hmm. and I have brushed up against the... This like is a remake. Audie's Outer Limits, yes. Okay. And I, I just remember it being real trashy, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, that sounds fun to me. I'm here for that. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Well, okay. Initially, I was going to go with Robert Patrick because he is in two seasons of the X Files, right? Correct. Yeah, I don't hate him in the X Files. I really like him as an actor. So Robert Patrick mm-hmm. is also in a thing that I would love to watch again and will watch again, but that I hesitate to recommend because it's got a, I mean, it's got a paywall. Um, and Eric, you probably know this. Of course, Robert Patrick is in the new Perry Mason. Oh, oh shit. That's right. He's Herman Baggerly in, in season one of, the new Perry Mason, yeah, which I love, which I super love. I also I've come around to the new Perry Mason, but because Eric didn't do it, I'm gonna pick uh, Craig Schaffer, and I'm gonna pick Nightbreed, of course. Oh my god, Nightbreed! May I ask for clarification uh-huh. <laughs> if you are choosing the theatrical cut or the Clive Barker director cut? I'm picking the director's cut. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, interesting what's the synopsis of this do you have it up uh there's a guy with the face shaped like a moon oh great uh, uh, and there's a serial killer a real hot guy uh Ooh. discovers an underground society of mon of monsters, monsters? in real life hmm, okay mm-hmm. and there is a there is a ser- an active serial killer who thinks he belongs amongst those monsters but he doesn't know where they are okay mm-hmm. i love all of that okay it's really so... good <laughs> Ellen is Nightbreed. Actually, I guess it's probably easier to get to watch the original. And that is really, I guess that's, I mean, I saw it in the theater. So maybe the original. Let's stick with the original. I I personally. Do you have a preference? I very much prefer the theatrical. Oh, let's do that. To the director's cut. Yeah. Okay. What was your link again? My link is Bad Influence. Bad Influence. Oh, I love Bad Influence. Okay, so we I'm have... I'm going to watch that anyway. Nightbreed, Bad Influence, or Outer Limits. All right, here goes the wheel. Crunch, 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 crunch. Um, it's me. Yay. It's, oh, it's me as an Ellen. 
Nightbreed. Nightbreed. Oh my god, I love it. Awesome. Let me find. I feel like I've heard of it before. Um, it's. I know that it's everywhere. So yes, it is (laughs) indeed everywhere. So it's on freebie. Uh, it's on Peacock. It's on Plex. It's on Pluto. It's on Roku Channel. It's on Tubi. It's available for rent from Prime. We are going to watch the theatrical cut, not the director's cut. So um, I thought you said director's cut. No, no. I prefer the theatrical cut. Oh, I thought you said the opposite. Um, so I will. I will do some searching to make sure that we're we're looking at the same version, and I will put that up on social media. It's very difficult to find the director of the non-director's cut of Nightbreed. So if you have to watch the director's cut, fine. It's honestly going to bum me out, but whatever. You're going to miss all our cool scenes that we get to see. There is actually a, a scene in the theatrical cut that is not in the director's cut that makes everything make sense for me. Um, anyway, I don't remember what all I already said. Uh, follow us on Instagram at It Was Murder Pod. Follow us on Twitter at It Was Murder Pod. If you want to write to us and talk to us about any of these movies or suggest movies or anything like that, uh, at it's or, sorry, our email address is itwasmurderpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, please rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Give us five stars. Um, there's really no reason to rate us if you're not going to give us five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. We're so tiny. Fuck you. We're so small. If you're giving, uh, giving us four stars, then fuck you. If you're not lifting us up, then go away. Yeah, you're dragging us down. <laughs> oh, my God. And if you're unhappy enough to rate a free podcast four stars or less, then fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it feels weird having Ellen not be here. I know. But I will say, I'll take this opportunity to say while she's not here, that we are three episodes away from our season finale. Because Which- we are... Doing a season means nothing. Of these, we're doing a season. This is a season. Twenty-four episodes, and that's what we're doing as a season. And we are almost to season two. I don't know why you guys are so against this idea. (laughs) I get so I get so much pushback from Eric and Ellen about. I just I I'm just curious what the delineation between the seasons will be. Because then we have season one, and then we have season two. And I just my I love that and I'm attached to it. Okay. I don't understand why I'm you are not, but we will have that and that will be what it is in my mind. Cool. <laughs> I'm not I don't understand it, but I'm I will go with it. It's a level I'm up. Totally it's a time it. to celebrate us. Yes. Glow up. Yeah, glow it was up. murder it's pod. Uh and with that, if you live in a uh high UFO probability state, please <laughs> Please message us with any of your experiences. Yeah, you people we... in Michigan and Iowa and <laughs> Florida. Apparently Arizona, Arizona. The verdant green yeah. plains of Arizona. The um, rainforests of Arizona. Anyway, luckily there was no dogs. Yeah. Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway. Hey, you're on speakerphone okay. with the podcast. <laughs> Good night, Freeway. (laughs) Good night, Freeway.